Welcome to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. This is the audio version of our live Sunday morning gathering. To view our live Sunday morning gathering, go to pcctoday.com. All right. Hey, we're going to read Romans chapter 9 today. We are back in Romans. Who's enjoyed this series in Romans so far? Yes? It's been fantastic. Well, we're going to read in Romans chapter 9. And it's going to be fantastic. So get ready, get ready, get ready. If you have your Bibles, open up. We're going to be in the NIV version. And, oh, you got yours. We'll just do that. Go for it. All right. Ready? No further ado. Go no ahead. No further ado. Shall we stand? If it's, we're able? Yes, we should stand. Church, let's I love stand that. for the reading of God's Word. If you are able, join us. Yes. This is Romans 9, verse 1. I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption to sonship. Theirs is the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. It is not as though God's word has failed, for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel, nor because they are his descendants are they all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as, regarded as Abraham's offspring. For this was how the promise was stated. At the appointed time, I will return, and Sarah will have a son. Verse 10 starts with, Not only that, but Rebekah's children were conceived at the same time by our father Isaac. Yet, before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose in election might stand. Not by works, but by him who calls. She was told, the older will serve the younger. Just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says it to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not, therefore, depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy." For Scripture says to to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore, God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. Verse 19, one of you will say to me, why then does God still blame us? For who is able to resist his will? But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? What if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction? What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory, even us, whom he also called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. As he says in Hosea, I will call them my people. Who are not my people, I will call her my loved one, who is not my loved one. And in the very place where it says, where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called children of the living God. Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the Israelites be like the sand by the sea, 
Only the remnant will be saved, for the Lord will carry out his sentence on earth with speed and finality. It is just as Isaiah said previously, unless the Lord Almighty had left us descendants, we would have become like Sodom. We would have become like Gomorrah. What then shall we say? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it, a righteousness that is by faith. But the people of Israel who purposed the law, pursued the law as the way of righteousness, have not attained their goal. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, see, I lay in Zion a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. Thus says the Lord in the Word. God, this morning we receive this portion of the letters, the letter to the Roman church, God, and uh, from chapter 9 in Romans, Lord, and we receive the wisdom you shared with us through Paul's handwriting, Lord, but your words. And Lord, as we dive into this passage today, God, I pray that you would open our hearts to receive what you want to speak to us. Lord, both spirit, mind, and soul, God, speak to us this morning. God, so we open our ears to hear, our hearts to receive. And God, have your way today, we pray in your name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. You may be seated. Thank you, Pastor John and Allie. Would you give it up for them? Thank you. Fantastic. One of my favorite things every morning is to wake up and have a fresh cup of coffee. Anybody with me in here? Some people are holding their hand up hoping someone will deliver them a coffee right now. That's all right. Hey, but... One of the things I enjoy about my coffee in the morning is coffee mugs. I don't, anybody else like a good coffee mug? Three of us? Really? That's it? Let me try that again. Who likes a coffee mug? Like a good coffee mug? Okay. I brought some mugs for us uh, to enjoy. And um, they have some unique things and perspectives. Um, this first one, uh, some dear friends in our church, the Rasmussens, Bill and Jan, gave this to me, and Mael got one as well, and it said, I never dreamed I'd grow up to be a super cool pastor, but here I am killing it. <laughs> Thank you. I like that one. Um, I'm sure most of us will recognize this one, a little Darth Vader mug for your enjoyment. Um, this one says, Tater's gonna Tate, in honor of our Tater Bug, Tate. Um, this one, let's see. All right, let me do a little more. Okay, so this one's fun because it says, Best Teacher Ever. My mother-in-law, who stayed with us this week uh, for a couple days, she left her mug at our house. So thank you, Abby Online, who's watching this up in uh, Renton, but... Um, Thank you. I actually really like this mug. It's large. It'd be like a large mug. I don't know why. There's something about a large mug. Maybe because we want to get another cup of coffee. Um, let's see. What else do I have in here? Oh, ladies, I need to hear you. Sisterhood. Where are we at? Sisterhood. My all made that. Very good. Now, um, this one is fun. It says, it's official. You're awesome. You're awesome. Who, yeah, Jason's ready to run up and grab this one. That's for him. Um, this, is a, this one's really fun. Mael had a friend give this to her, and I want to see if you can hear this. It keeps your coffee warm. 
and the force is with you, just a reminder. All right. This is a shark, baby. Shark, do, 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 do. And uh, you may not know this, but my own and I went on a date one time, and uh, she actually made this mug for me. And so, um, handcrafted, no, just kidding, it was already made, she painted it. Uh, but I love this mug, and my goal is not to break it. There's a little bit of a chip, but we're going to be very careful with that one. Uh, this is uh, a fine china that we got for a wedding present. And when we first got married, um, and we registered, didn't really have any idea, we have 18 place settings of fine china in our house uh, that are still intact today. And then... Um, this last one I, I kind of saved for last for a reason, and here's why. This is the title of my message, if you're taking notes. The gospel changes everything. In case you needed a reminder this morning, the good news about Jesus Christ changes everything. But we have to remember that when you've believed something or if you experienced something in one way for a long time, and then Jesus shows up and he changes everything, not everyone's going to like it. Not everyone's going to enjoy the message of the gospel. In fact, what Paul addresses right off the bat is actually there's Jews who are in Rome, who he's addressing this letter to, that they're not happy about the message of the gospel because, in fact, it's not supposed to be for everyone in their opinion. You see, what happens is, and this, these, the reason I brought these mugs up is for us to see a couple things. The first one is this, is that God chose the Israelites to be his chosen people. And what happened over generations of time is that they started to believe that because they were in proximity, because they were family, because they were born into it, that they were going to be saved and go to heaven. And Paul shows up on the scene and he says, no, 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 no. It is not your bloodline that saves you. It is your faith in Jesus Christ alone that saves you. And so we get this beautiful doctrine called election. And here's the thing. If you've been around church very long and you're like, Pastor Nate, are you really going to go there this morning? Because people have been debating this issue for years and years and years about election. And you have this tension. If God chose me, did I have a choice? Is God willing that some would come and not everyone and there you read this passage and Paul makes this argument and he uses the Old Testament to help us understand that God is choosing people. But here, here's the problem. The Jews, they wanted it to be us four and no more. Unless you want to become a Jew and maybe we'll let you in, but probably not. And they wanted everyone to become Jewish to obey all the laws, to come down the lineage, to do all these things. And they saw it as election, as they're the only ones, they're the best. But Jesus shows up and he says in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that whoever, all the mugs, the Star Wars people, 
Tater's going to Tate. Fine China. Some of the people in this room, they're like, I'm the fine China people. <laughs> hold it gently. As I'm even holding, it's like, no, no, be careful. Be careful. Isn't it true that God made us all unique? Different shapes, different colors, different sizes. But isn't it true the problem is that we think God should choose the ones we think he should choose? We may not say it like that, but there's a certain level of entitlement and things that can creep into our hearts where we're like, God, you're doing your best, but let me help you out. I know the right ones. I know the right way to believe. I know this. And, and here's what we see over and over throughout Scripture. And Jesus addresses this. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And Jesus was very gracious towards those that were lost and knew they were lost. But you know what he said to the religious Pharisees? He said, you are whitewashed tombs. You like to shine up the outside of the cup, but the inside of the cup, you are filthy. You are dirty. And they're like, what? I'm a son of Abraham. Hello, don't you know? Don't you see the tassels? Don't you see the jewelry, the pageantry? I have dedicated my entire life to studying God's word. And Paul is quick to remind us of this simple but powerful truth. You are saved by faith alone in Christ alone, by his grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is a gift of God. And so as you're reading this passage, you start seeing him go through different things. And it, and it gets a little um, confusing because he goes through and he talks about Abraham. And he's talking about Isaac and Rebekah. And then he starts going to the other prophets. And what is he trying to illustrate? He's trying to let us know that God is God and you're not. And he is the one that gets to decide who gets to be in heaven and who doesn't. And so we have to then adjust to what his plan is. And we need to understand what does election really look like and mean. And if you want to know a little bit more, I'll give you the, the Greek word real quick. It's eklogomai, and it simply means to choose. And in Romans it said, it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. It's the children of the promise. It's not about the bloodline of being Jewish. Did you realize, we didn't realize that when God called Abraham, he was a nomad wandering in the wilderness. And he said, you are mine. And out of your offspring, there will be so many people that will outnumber the grains of the sand. God's blessing has nothing to do with how good we are, but how gracious he is. And so today I want to talk to you about the inside of the cup. And this is, might be a little uncomfortable for all of us, but we're going to go there this morning. I want to talk to you about the inside of the cup for your heart. Because if we're not careful... It can be really easy to point out, as Jesus would say, the speck in somebody else's eye. But what about the plank in your eye? It's really easy, isn't it, to see what's wrong with other people? I can spot it a mile away. But when was the last time we looked at the mirror 
and asked and prayed the prayer that David said. Holy Spirit, he said, search me, O God. Know my heart. What is he saying? That my heart can be deceived. That's why we need the work and the power of the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth that God loves me, he's chosen me, he's with me, and he has a heart for the lost. So our big idea this morning, this is the heart check. If we could put it up for everyone, I hope you, you can take a picture or write this down. But the big idea this morning is this. Are you ready? God's heart for people must become our heart. God's heart for people must become our heart. When we look at Scripture, we see God is willing that none would perish. Like, like none. But what about the evil people? Romans, are, we, already went, we already covered this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So in order for our hearts to shift, we must understand three critical aspects of Paul's argument in chapter 9. Number one, God is the potter, not the clay. I'll say that again. God is the potter, not the clay. In verse 14 it says, What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. It does not therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's what? Mercy means withholding with what is deserved. Now, when people read this passage, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Oftentimes they read that and they think God is withholding mercy and compassion. Like it's not for everybody. He's like, I'll give it to who I want to give it to. And oftentimes we read it like there's lack. But I want you to flip it a little bit and look at the way that God opened this up for Moses. In, in Exodus thirty three nineteen. Moses is with God on the mountain, and he says, God, I want to see your face. And God says, nobody has seen my face and lived. And so what does God say? He says, I will let all my goodness, my goodness, pass before your, and I'm going to hide you in the cleft, and you can just see the backside of me. And as he goes by, Moses is so overwhelmed, overcome by the goodness of God, that when he comes down the mountain, does anybody know what happens to him? He becomes the first and original glow worm. <laughs> he's lit up and everybody's like, cover his head. And he's shining and he's all full of the glory of God. We forget how good God is. We forget the majesty, the power, the glory, the wonder of his presence, don't we? We live in a world, and I hear people say, it's dark, it's broken. Have you seen what's around? And I want to say, just get a glimpse of God. He will light up the darkest places of your life. I'm not saying that sin is not bad. It's awful. You know why? Sin leads to death. Sin leads to destruction. Sin will always take you further and make a fool of you than you ever thought you would ever do or become. Sin is no joke, no laughing matter. But what I have come to discover in my life 
is that God's goodness is so good that the moment my heart turns and I run after him, he is so quick to forgive, quick to show me grace, quick to love me, quick to extend mercy and righteousness. He is choosing me. This last Friday, we got to celebrate my son Titus. Where are you, Titus? There he is. He turned 12 on Friday. Good job, Titus. Crushing it, crushing it. And he had, he had a birthday party, and he wanted to play basketball with all of his buddies. So he plays on this, uh, like, kind of select basketball team. And so eight of them showed up, and so, uh, which is a problem, because with Titus, that's nine, which meant I had to play. <laughs> and, and so I'm playing, you know, and I, there was this moment where we were, I was chasing a ball, and one of the kids ran, I almost leveled 11-year-olds, like took him out. Fortunately, I caught him. I was okay, thanks for worrying about me. But, but we're playing, and so I'm kind of going back and forth between being the ref and all these things, and we're, we switch games, we're playing dodgeball, and we're playing, and I thought the game was over. I thought all the kids were out, and so I blow my whistle, like, game's over, this team won, and the whole group over here, they go, what? I mean, I've never had so many kids turn on me so fast. What is wrong with you? And every time I blew my whistle, they were just angry with me. These kids are giving it to me. The parents in the stands are about to yell at me. I'm like, this is a birthday party. <laughs> and what I didn't realize was this little kid was still in. He wasn't out. I just didn't see him. And so the game wasn't over, but I'm the ref and I'm like, it's over. Don't we do that to God? God, I'm blowing my whistle. Choo, choo, choo. I know. They're not in. They're in. And God's saying, hello. Who are you to say who gets to be in and who doesn't get to be in? Who do you think you are? He literally says that in Romans. Did you read that? Who do you think you are? And here's the problem. Point number one was God is the potter, not the clay. Point number two, people want to be the potter, but they are still the clay. People want to be the potter, but they are still the clay. I was listening to a pastor, his name's Alistair Begg, and he was talking about his social media account kept revealing all these angry people. Maybe you've seen this too and you're kind of scrolling or maybe you've watched television or maybe you've just been live somewhere at a baseball game or something. And he just made the comment, people are angry. People are mad. Have you noticed how many flight attendants have had to kick people off planes? There's just anger. And he made a very, what I would say, wise observation for why this is happening. He says, when you're in a culture that has removed God, who wants to be God? People do. And we live in a culture that says, I can choose my identity. I can be a male. I can be a female. I even saw someone says that they were a cat. I'm not, jo I'm not joking. We have people That as long as you believe what they believe, it's okay. And what ends up happening with postmodernism is this whole push 
that there is no object of truth. There's no baseline. So what happens when there's no baseline? Anything's right for anybody. And so, of course, they're going to be angry. Of course, people are going to be mad. Why? Because you don't think the way they think. You want tolerance as long as it's agreeing with me. And so you have this whole thing, and it's just anger and frustration, and it all boils down to this. I want to be in charge. Anybody have a two-year-old ever say that to you? I'm in charge. I want to be in charge. Tate says that to us sometimes. Still goes, I want to be in charge. And Myel and I will look at him. Myel will say, who's in charge, Tate? You are. <laughs> Isn't that the cry of our hearts? God, I know you think I should be in sisterhood. But I really want to be Star Wars. Isn't it true? For whatever reason, we think we know best. And the truth is, what we have to remember is we're not the first ones to struggle with this. All the way back to Genesis in the Garden of Eden. God made a paradise for Adam and Eve. And he said, you got one rule. One rule of all the things. You got one. Just don't eat it. And what did they do? They ate it. Don't make the mistake of thinking you would have done anything different. Why? Because if we're honest about the inside of the mug, without the grace and love of Jesus Christ, all are lost. And so what we have to do when we interpret Scripture and we look at these passages of difficulty where it's like election, how does that all work with God's sovereignty? God is sovereign, but then we are responsible for our choices. And somewhere in here we live in this, and you want to go down Calvinism and Arminianism, and just spend your entire life debating all these things, absolutely, that is a great thing to talk about and understand. But the most important thing is the grand story of God is that He loves you. He's for you. He's choosing you. And it's not based on how great you look, how good you smell, or how strong you think you are. It is all by the grace and mercy of God that anybody can sit in this room right now. The Bible says that unless God draws men, no one can be saved. Apart from God, I can do nothing. And yet, we are responsible to receive the grace given to us. Because it is by faith alone in Him alone. And as we unpack all this, by the way, this has been debated, wrestled with for hundreds if not thousands of years. And so I want to say this is new to you. Welcome to the party. <laughs> so what is it that we really need to understand? We need to understand, number one, God is the potter. Say that with me. God. God's the potter. Yes. Number two, people want to be the potter, but they're not. We are the clay. Say, I'm the clay. Absolutely. And number three, and I hope this helps you understand. I love this quote. People who come freely to God are those whom God has freely chosen. People who come freely to God are those whom God has freely chosen. Jews, Gentiles, male, female. It is by grace. 
No money involved, but it cost Jesus everything. Don't ever think it was cheap, but it was a free gift. When I was growing up and kind of going through ministry and getting trained and different things that would happen in my life, I'll never forget there was a lady in our church that was praying for her husband to get saved. And she would come to the altars regularly, on a a regular basis. And out of nowhere, he showed up. Angry! Bitter! He sat in the pews like this. (sighs) Couldn't wait to get out. But he left. Next week, he showed up again. Still angry. Looked like he'd been sipping on lemonade all day long. But people, they did the craziest thing to him at our church. They hugged him like crazy. He was one of the 27s in the meet and greet time. And next thing you know, this lady started getting more prayer warriors going. More people calling on God. And I watched this person move from kind of sitting in the, like kind of off to the side, not even the back, just off to the side. He started coming to the center. And his arms started getting lower like this. Next thing I know, he started lifting his hands. And I'll never forget the day he received Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. And I want to tell you this, it didn't happen once. I'm sorry, it didn't happen on one Sunday. It took many Sundays. It actually took months. And I'm telling you that today to tell you this. Some of us here today need to remember God's heart is for you. He's for your family. He's for your kids. He is drawing them to himself. And some people here right now, you are discouraged because you're like, God, I have prayed for this for years and it hasn't happened yet. And here's what I want to say. God's not giving up on them. Neither should you. What are we to do? There's a beautiful verse in Ephesians that says this. Ephesians 5.1. Be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children. God's heart for people must be my heart. What's God's heart? Love, grace, mercy, peace. Never giving up. Always extending, always reaching, always pulling people in. Saying, you may think that the way that I made you was a mistake. I've met so many people that think they are a mistake, that they're a mess, that they're broken. This mug right here, this is my favorite mug. It's even chipped and I still sip on the chip side. I don't, because I can't help it. I just always do it like this. I don't know why. You want to know why I love this mug? I don't know. I just love this mug. It's perfect. I don't know why. It's perfect for me. not going to throw it down. 
I'm going to protect this mug. Jesus looks at you, and you may see a chip. You may see disappointment. You may see brokenness. You may see pain. You may see disease. You may see cancer. You may see illness. You may see things that are just not fair. And you know what God says? You are my masterpiece, created brand new in Christ Jesus to do the good works that I planned long ago. You are loved. And we have to remember who's the potter, who wants to be the potter. There are things in this life that we will never understand this side of heaven. Paul even said it in 1 Corinthians 13. We look in the reflection of a mirror dimly. We don't see the whole picture yet. But when perfection comes, when Jesus returns, we will see clearly as face to face. Some of you here have things that don't make sense. My wife and I, we talk about this all the time. I pray for her leg every single day, multiple times a day. God has not healed her leg yet. And I hear her with all the courage and faith in her heart, you know what she says? I still trust my God. I still believe my God's gonna heal me. And some of us here, as I listen to your stories, you're going through things, it's painful, it's hard. And we have to remember, God never said it's gonna be easy. He never said it would be perfect or simple or just the way you wanted it. You know what he said? Be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Because of our God, we can have hope through any circumstance. So what's our posture? We hold the tension together. I have faith that he can heal, and I trust his plan in my life, whatever that looks like. Maybe you're here this morning, and you're like, Pastor Nate, the gospel, I need the gospel in my life. I need the good news of Jesus. I've been running from God. It's time for me to receive Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I see it now what you're saying. God's been choosing me. I've just been rejecting him. He's been picking me. I thought I was off on my own. He didn't love me, but he loves me. He chose me. He made me. If that's you today, with everybody looking around, seated, eyes open, maybe online, if you're here this morning and you want to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Is there anybody here that needs to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? anybody online we can put it in the chat or you can talk to our prayer partner afterwards but let's just pray together would you repeat after me father thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place I receive your grace I receive your love and I'm going to follow you all the days of my life in Jesus name amen would you stand with me thank you Jesus Thank you, Jesus. I want to say the big idea for you one more time. God's heart for people must become our heart. What if you're here this morning? And if you were honest, there's hatred or anger towards other people. 
We're to imitate God. That word is mimic. We're to copy. We're to do what he did. And maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, man, what about my neighbor? The one that has dogs that bark really loud at night. Who doesn't park the way I want them to park. We're to love them. What about my kids who don't serve God right now? We're to pray for them. We're to love them. We're to not give up. We're to have hope. We're to believe. If you're here this morning and you would say, I just need God to do a work on the inside of my heart. The outside, it looks beautiful. This sisterhood mug is gorgeous. I know my wife designed it. It's beautiful. But the inside may be filthy. You're here this morning. It's not a salvation issue. It's a heart issue. Holy Spirit, transform me. Help me to love people. Would you, if you're here with me this morning, you're like, Lord, I need a fresh touch from you so that I can love my neighbors. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray with you. You just need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit so that you can love your friends, your neighbors, your kids, to have faith that people would be touched. Just a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit this morning. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I just want to pray for you. Father, right now, I pray for everyone with their hands held high. Lord, give us a fresh touch of you, Lord Jesus, to love our neighbors, to love our friends, to love people the way that you love them. God, open our hearts and our eyes to see people the way that you see them, to love people the way that you love them, to have compassion on people for those that need compassion. Lord, I pray, God, give us a heart to love people, those that are outside Help us to love them. And Lord, I pray for inside the church, people in the house of God, touch their hearts as well. I pray for marriages right now. Some people in this house that are struggling just to be in this same room with their spouse, to look at them, to love them. God, help them to see their spouse the way that you see them. Help them to love their spouse the way that you love their spouse. And Lord, I pray for all the single people in the room God's singleness is not a disease. You love them. I pray that they would have a fresh encounter with you today. That they would sense your love like never before. Bless them, anoint them, fill them fresh. One more thing I want to pray for is people that are stuck with, they feel stuck with sickness and disease and pain. If that's you, would you guys... Let's put our hands on, let's do a new hands. Ready, new hands. If you need a touch of the Lord, if you need healing in your body, would you lift your hands? If you need healing in your body, would you lift your hands? I, I am believing right now in the name of Jesus. Father, that you would heal people. People with back pain right now, I ask God that you would heal backs. I'm saying there's people with, a, with foot injury. God, I pray for their feet, Lord Jesus, that you would heal their feet. God, anybody that's got a diagnosis, Lord Jesus, that looks bleak and dark, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would heal them right now. Come on, church, let's rise some faith. Let's pray together. God, I pray that you would heal people in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. We're going to sing a song together, and as we sing, I'm believing people are going to be healed.
in a worship setting just like this, my grandfather was healed of clinical depression just by singing praise to God. We're going to sing this song, Same God. The same God that was pursuing Adam and Eve. The same God that was pursuing Moses. The same God that was pursuing Paul as he's writing this, this book in Romans. He's pursuing you, church. He loves you. He loves you. He's with you. He's for you. He's not against you. He's choosing you this morning. Would you choose him back today with open arms and a heart? And we're just believing that God's going to transform our cities, our hearts, and heal us today. So if you want, would you just lift your hands and express your worship to God? He is so worthy. Isn't he worthy, church? Do you have a reason to praise God this morning? Do you have a reason to worship him this morning? What has he saved you from? What has he delivered you from? Come on, let's sing it out together. You're the same God from generation to generation. He's with you. Let's sing this together. Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us online for our live stream at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com.